Welcome to the Film Coterie. I'm Roger. I'm Adam. And this is episode number 36 for the week of January the 19th, 2018. On this week's episode, Chris Hemsworth. On a horse. On a horse. And Michael Pena and Michael Shannon and all of the folks. Versus the Taliban. Versus the Taliban. And our second feature, double feature night tonight, our second feature will be a Russian dash cam montage. All this and more on the Film Coterie. How you doing, Adam? I'm doing well, Roger. How are you? I'm great. How's your week been? Busy. This is our... We're going to film a, record a couple episodes this week, so this is number two. It, it, we're doing it, a double header. It, it is Snow Apocalypse Continues, does it not? Yep. I'm hoping, though, by the weekend we should start seeing... By tomorrow or so, we'll start seeing some break in the weather. Maybe get some 50s and 60s and melt and be nice, won't it? Anyway... And we have some news on the John Wick front. We have news on the what? You, if you listen to the podcast, you'll know John that, Wick three has been announced. Well, it's already been announced. We're getting a John <laughs> Wick three. That's not the news. Oh, okay. It's that the TV show is moving forward. It's called The Continental, and it'll be on Stars, and it's going to feature uh, Lance Reddick as the guy behind the desk. I don't know his name from the movies. He's not the doorman, but he's the desk man. He's the he's Mr. Cool. The manager. Is what he is. He is the manager of the continent. Yeah. Ian McShane is the, Ian McShane's the owner of it, or you know, higher up, and he may be involved in it. But Keanu Reeves is also going to be involved in and show up as John Wick in this series. It's going to be a prequel series uh, before John Wick's Impossible Night, when he was an active hitman in this right. culture. And it sounds like they're going to introduce us to the world through the eyes of a brand new assassin. That's being trained by a mentor. So we'll have two new characters and, and just getting that introduction to the world again through a long-form storytelling process on stars. Now, I have to tell you, Adam, I know you loved the second John Wick. And I thought it was good. Not great, but good. Everything about this gets me fired up. First of all, the Continental is the perfect venue. If you aren't familiar with the series, the Continental are a series of hotels that these hitmen stay at. In a very weird world, and they have their own rules and culture, and their everything. own currency, gold coins, gold a, a, coins do everything, a, everything. And and I am so jacked to go visit this world. I want about four seasons of the Continental, taking a young pup that's just been initiated into this and walking him through the story. And wouldn't it be great? Or her? Or her? Yes. Wouldn't it be great? If the ending of this run of tele, this run on stars would be the impossible night, would that not be great if they if they brought in Keanu Reeves to do the un, impossible night? I don't know. A man can dream, right? Yep. And stars has done well with the properties before. I, right now, I really enjoy Ash versus Evil Dead. That's going into its third season, and yeah. So they're not afraid to buy up these movie properties and. No, I, I'm totally stoked. I'm excited about it's it. It's a reason to subscribe to yeah. Stars. And you know, and I guess maybe this is breaking news on the film coterie here, but uh, 
I think in 2018, we're, we're going to dabble a little bit in TV shows, video on demand that might have tie-ins to the film world in, in some kind of capacity or speak to similar issues that we see on film. You know, uh, especially when we get into months where maybe it's a slow movie month. Um, you know, we For might- instance, February is a slower month. Yeah. But then in March, we're slammed with movies. Tons of big budget exactly. stuff coming in March. So we're just going to kind of adjust to the ebb and flow. And the first kind of streaming episode we want to do will be Black Mirror. Yeah, absolutely. We'll we'll review the newest season, and we'll also come up with our own list of our personal rankings of the Black Mirror episodes. Yeah, absolutely. And that's just something. I mean, you know, we're guys and gals that just love to talk about media, pop culture, but more specifically movies. And so, yeah, I think that's going to kind of kind of spread our wings a little bit here and do just a little bit more than just the same thing. Do have to do you know two or three films every week. Yeah, let's let's talk about something we enjoy, you know. Besides, I think our listening audience will enjoy that as well too. So, yeah, so that's exciting, you know. I, I I'm really exciting with, with the Continental to to explore this world, man. I mean, we just get little bites of it, you know, little tastes of it in the first two movies, and you know, it's going to be exciting to see what they do with it. Now, it could also bomb. Yes, yes, it can. It can go the wrong way too. And it could go like Matrix Part 3 and really just go yeah. off the rails. The two writers are involved. I mean, the two directors, the writer. I mean, it's it's the same creative talent. I mean, there'll be a different showrunner probably. But as far as production, the producers are the right people. Yeah, absolutely. So hopefully they'll guide it in a is, is there a tentative release date or just been announced? It's just been greenlit. It's going, I mean, they don't have to do a pilot or anything. It's going straight to series. That's great. So Excellent. All right. Well, I think that's going to wrap it up for our news and notes and what's been happening this week. I'm excited to jump right into our feature. Uh, We just went and saw today. This is our after Thursday night, after movie night, you know, uh, discussion. And we went and saw 12 Strong. So I'm excited to talk about it. You are listening to the Film Coterie Podcast. We'll be right back after the break. It's us. We're going in. We beat out the five other teams. We're gonna drop in behind enemy lines, link up with the warlord of the Northern Alliance, General Abdul Dostum. We'll assist him in fighting the Taliban and taking back the city of Mazari Sharif, which happens to be the stronghold and linchpin for the entire Northern Taliban force. The catch is we only have 21 days. How many troops does he have? We got about 200 paid soldiers and an undetermined number of part-time militia. What about the other side? The other side has about 50,000 Taliban al-Qaeda fighters. Missiles, armor, rockets, mortars, machine guns. We're outnumbered. Just 5,000 to one. Now, gentlemen, once we land, we're about nine hours away from hell. Which effectively means it doesn't exist. We're on our own. We all need to understand the capture is not an option here. We go in tonight, single ship, no backup. So police your gear, got some rest. Had a successful test flight? We are the test flight. Okay, our first movie of the evening will be 12 Strong, the new military action movie starring Chris Hemsworth and based on the book by Doug Stanton that was called Horse Soldiers. This is the based on the true story account of the uh, special forces that we sent into Afghanistan right after 9-11 back in 2001. These were the first boots on the ground, American boots on the ground in Afghanistan to hunt down the Taliban. Yep, it's got a great cast, stars Chris Hemsworth. Uh, Michael Shannon, William uh, Fechner, um, 
Michael Pena, uh, Rob Riggle. I mean, it's got it's got some it's got some pretty good actors in it. Um, yeah, what what you think, Adam? You know, what you think of the film? So to lump this movie in with recent movies, this is in the Hollywoodized true story of a military encounter. I'd put it up there with Lone Survivor, Black Hawk Down. Um, better than Lone Survivor, not as good as Black Hawk Down. But it is a fairly straightforward telling of the events. It doesn't jump around at all. We see 9-11 open up the movie, and we see these soldiers re-enlist and, and sign up and do what they need to do to get on this mission over to Afghanistan. Um, setup is pretty quick. They introduce the characters. They, of course... Do the trope. They spend time with the family. We have to see the family say goodbye. Yep. You have to see that they have a wife. And right. That they have small. Every one of them has small children. Right. And then away they go, off to and, Uzbekistan. And, and they have to have unresolved issues with their family. Right. They need to come home for some reason. Other Sorry. Than, <laughs> no, I mean that's that's it's the trope. It's yeah. the cliche that we see Absolutely. all the time. And then they're off. And before they know it, they're they're set down in Afghanistan in the mountains. And they have to meet up with a warlord, calls himself a general, but he's part of the Northern Alliance, which is a very loosely held together group of three militias that do not like each other, but they hate the Taliban more. Yes, absolutely. So these guys have to push a major offensive forward from horseback. The mountains are treacherous if you know anything about Afghanistan, and there's no other way to travel around. The, the paths are too small for vehicles. And... There's a lot of cave dwelling, you know, hiding in caves. And even these militias are are spending the cold nights in the cave, staying warm and protected from the environments and the sandstorms and everything else. But the advantage that the Americans are bringing are the airstrikes. Yes. As they say, you own the ground, we own the skies. Absolutely. You know, Adam, this movie has all the makings of just a feel-good action blockbuster kind of movie, you know? Uh, it's got a good story uh, about, you know... Um, uh, taking out evil and, and taking down the evil Taliban, uh, uniting un the northern uh, uh, militia there. Um, and, and so all, all the makings, you know, and I would even say this is just overall a good movie, you know. I think this movie is going to appeal to a large audience, you know. Um, but I, one thing that just totally surprised me about this movie it really feels like you're in a John Wayne Western. I mean, this, this movie feels like a Western because of the horses, you know? When, when, when I first saw that it was going to be horses versus tanks in the, in the previews, you kind of get a glimpse of that. Here's these guys. Here's Chris. First of all, Chris Hemsworth on a horse. I want to see that, you know? And then riding into battle against tanks and, and jeeps with, with, with big gunners. Now, I know there's going to be a whole slew of military people out there. They're going to be like, okay, that's just unrealistic. But you kind of buy it in this because of the terrain, because of the mountainous conditions, because of the stealth ability to sneak up and be right on top of somebody. Well, I mean, you do have to go back to when Russia tried to invade and have the, the war in Afghanistan. For years. Russia had the mechanized army. They had helicopters and tanks and everything else. And they were beaten by tribal leaders and horsemen that could just hit them and run. Yeah, absolutely. And so, um, you know, this movie's full of tropes, all kinds of stuff all the way through. I don't want to get into spoilers, but it follows a cliche pattern. You're going to have a bad guy. 
Uh, you're gonna in this movie you actually have a bad guy, and then you have two factions that are with the good guys that don't like each other, and you know they have to come to some kind of you know, I think you brought it up on on the ride over here to do the show. Or no, once we were here, you said um, it's interesting the Chris Hemsworth character and the general from from the Northern uh, uh, Resistance each are veteran war people that teach each other something. You know, it's the Hollywood thing where they yeah. each have to teach each other a lesson. Yeah. Or here's the stupid saying they keep saying to each other: "You're a soldier, not a warrior," or "You're a warrior, not a soldier." Yeah. Or you know, you don't have the look of a killer in your eye. Now you've got the look of a killer in your eye. You know, it's very Hollywoodish, yeah. kind of stuff. But I think it'll play well to an audience. I, you know, uh, audiences kind of eat that stuff up. You know, um, mainstream audiences specifically. Um, well, and here's the thing too: you should know if you're into historical accuracy, the leader that they're with for the Northern Alliance. Um, that general has switched sides so many times in his career. He's fought with the Taliban. He's fought with the rebels. He's fought with all the governments. through. He's always yeah. on the winning side. He's a traitor to most. And what the movie portrays him as some mystical mountain leader that has a loyal army of men. The true story, he kept fleeing to Turkey every time he left. Taliban chased him off after he was no longer Taliban. He didn't step foot in Afghanistan again until the U.S. led the, the attack. He came in to help after right. he knew he had B-52s in the sky that were going to carpet bomb the Taliban. Yep. So, yeah, th- there's a little difference between what really happened and how ho- how it was ho- you know Hollywoodized, if you would say it. And the other thing they do to make this movie have an enemy face that you recognize, they put the evil Taliban warlord in the city that they're attacking. Um, you see him. He's the typical villain. And in real life, he was always in the capital and... He died much later from an assassination from a suicide bomber right. than what happens in this movie. But at the same time, you know, that I don't want to take away from this is the true story of 12 men who went in and risked their life to try to take out a force that had struck at the very heart of the United States, you know. And so our hat's off to them, you know. Thank God for those 12 men. That I mean, think about it. And there's something in the rolling credits afterwards said something to the effect of these men did in how many weeks well they they did it in three weeks what they thought it would take three years two years two years to do so hats off to them i mean yeah it was a lightning fast strike in terms of military the the surgical accuracy and the, the ability for them to um to just take out the taliban and i thought it was interesting how they shot the bombings from a perspective that depersonalized it. This is a movie that real easily could have been, uh, oh, you know, gross. Uh, oh, oh, okay. Just the relentlessly slaughtering of soldiers from bombs 30,000 feet in the sky. Yeah, the odds aren't good for these guys. It's 12 versus 50,000. But the difference is, is American technology. These guys were not necessarily you know, riding into combat and shooting 50,000 Taliban, they were just coordinating strikes. Yeah. They were coordinating the effort to bomb from above, and that's what gave them the advantage. Absolutely. And so uh, let's talk about some of the performances in this film. Let's start with the lead, Chris Hemsworth. What was your thoughts about him in this film? He's good. I mean, this is a typical Hemsworth performance. Um, He doesn't have as much charm as he does when he's Thor, but he plays... 
he plays a realistic husband and father, and, and he plays a guy that you could buy as a squad leader. I didn't have any question doubting him in that role, no, that yeah. these men would follow him. Yeah, I, I agree totally. I think he did a, a very serviceable job, was believable in the role. Good chemistry with the Michael Shannon character. Very you good, buy that right yes, away. Yes, very good chemistry. Um, it's hard to get – he doesn't do an American accent that – all that great, just to be honest. But with he's you. not Arnold Schwarzenegger either. But he, exactly, that's the other side of the point too. Is that he he does it well enough to where you can kind of buy in. You forget here's an Australian, you know, t- talking to you. Um, and Michael Shannon, can the guy do anything wrong? No, he's got a thankless role, and he makes it an interesting character. He totally takes a role that is just a write off. I mean, to t- to carry the plot along. And you're right, Adam. He's great. I mean, oh, this guy, I can't wait to see him in his next film. If it was played by an actor you'd never seen before, you wouldn't really even think about the character afterwards. But Michael Shannon brings that special something that he always does. And it makes something out of nothing. Yeah, absolutely. What about uh, any of the other standouts in any of the, you know... Uh... Michael Pena is Michael Pena. He was brought in for comedic relief. He does it. He's funny. Um, he gets a hero moment. It's the same role we've seen him play since Ant-Man. I would love to see Michael Pena play something besides the sergeant. Just one time. Maybe there's something out there. I would like to see what he could do with something a little more dramatic, something where he has to show some emotion. I mean, he's he's great at the comic relief. I get that. Um, some of the stuff we saw him in last year we did not like at all. Some of the stuff we liked, you know. But I want to see him get something with some meat to chew on. You know, I'd love to see at least him try that. You know, but um, he's not throwaway. He adds a flavor to the film that's good. Yeah, and it's used to break up the action. For instance, between two action scenes, to kind of give some levity and comedy, we cut to a long scene where he's trying to buy a goat, not a goat, a sheep for three hundred U.S. Yeah. dollars. Yes. So just because he's hungry. So, I mean, they, they use Michael Pena purely for comedic effort in this movie. Um, action-wise, the the action was a little chaotic, but I think it works for the movie because, I mean, you're riding in the battle trying to shoot an automatic weapon on horseback. You know, it is chaotic. It can get a little hard to recognize the geography of where you are. Um, there's so many explosions and dust kicking up, it's hard to tell which... You know you're looking at Taliban, rebel, or U.S. soldier from what they're well, wearing, but well, you can you can confuse the characters. You don't know who you're they seeing. They conveniently did. They conveniently dressed the Taliban in all black, and that kind of helped to, to differentiate. But there, you're right. There were some times you you got lost in the physicality of it. You lost your bearings as to what direction you were headed and where you were going just because of the topography and stuff. But there's also some really cool shots that they caught. Whether it was on a track with the camera, if they were driving a vehicle that was stabilized, of the, the horses and the soldiers riding through just pure hell. Explosions and rockets going over their head and all the, you know, the machine gun fire. Yeah. So they had some good shots in here, too. Yeah. Uh, the locations look great. Afghanistan oh. is one of the harshest places to live in the world with these mountainous regions. And I, I actually was curious after I got out of the movie to see where they filmed it. It was filmed in New Mexico. Shocking. I, th- so, it had to have some CGI. Yeah, the topography it. was probably CG'd in and, and stuff, but it looked great. And there was one, I got to laugh at this, there was one Star Trek, the original series moment where they came up on a, gr- a, a perfectly formed outcropping of rocks 
that was really bad. Looked really fake to me, like right out of a Hollywood Star Trek set. No rock slide would ever result in that formation. No, not at all. But it served the purpose to have them have something to hide behind. And the movie's dull in terms of color. It's it's brown on brown highlighted by tan. I mean, that's your color scheme throughout yes. the movie. But the action makes up for it. They're... They've got their money's worth in pyro for this movie. Oh, yes. Uh, I thought I'd wandered into a Michael Bay film for just a minute. I mean, there's some serious explosions in this film, and uh, it's fun. I mean, not fun in the sense of, woo, I enjoy this, but it's like, oh, wow, our military is pretty intense. If this is anywhere close to realistic, and to truth be told, it's probably underwhelming, probably undersells what our military could really do if they wanted to drop some bombs on some people. But... um. I enjoyed the film. I thought it was good. Uh, it's definitely worth seeing if you need your action explosion fix, you know, over the winter. Mm-hmm. And I will give credit to the director on this one. He directed a generally tense scene that surprised me. Um, it's when the, a bunch of Taliban surrender and come up on the soldiers. There's only four soldiers and maybe 100 Taliban that are surrendering. And that, that was a well-put-together scene, very yes. tense. Yes. You don't know what's going to happen. So I give the credit a lot of, oh, the director yeah. a lot of credit for that scene. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. You had this gut feeling that it could end bad, and you just don't know. And so there was a lot of, there was just great tension there. Absolutely. Well, I think that's going to wrap, I think that's going to wrap it up for 12 Strong. Um, Adam and I both liked it. Um, yeah, it's worth checking out in the theater. Based on the book Horse Soldiers, right? So interesting. I might pick that up. I'd like to read the book. They did change a lot from the book, and they didn't even use the guy's real names. So, huh? Interesting. Yeah. Well, maybe they didn't want him to be stereotyped. That's true. I mean, you know, like, well, I didn't, you know, I, I didn't really act that way in the movie, kind of deal. So, yeah. All right. Well, let's take a quick break, and we'll come back, and we have an interesting second film on the docket for tonight. Uh, Russian dash cam video documentary. You're listening to the Film Coterie. We'll be right back after the music. All right, we're back with our second movie of the evening, and we're going to be discussing the Road movie. Yes, this is my uh, second film of 2018. Action-packed, just yep. like 12, 12 Strong. Strong. 12 Strong was my first movie of 2018, and uh, the Road movie was was a brand new experience for me watching a film. I'd never, I've never watched a film this way. Um, I don't know if we can get into a lot of detail about how we were able to, to view yeah, this we film. Can. So the road movie is a Russian documentary, and it's from a, a director named Dmitry Kalishnikov. Kalishnikov, like the rifle, like the AK-47. Right. Don't know if that's a pen name or maybe he's really a Kalishnikov. But it is an assemblage of dash cam footage from Russian vehicles. If you're unaware, uh, Russian insurance, auto insurance, will generally not pay out a claim Unless you, the driver, on your own insurance policy, can prove what happened, there's so much, there's so many insurance scams over there right. that you have to protect yourself and have a dash cam. So well over a million Russians have these dash cams running every day, and it captures a lot of interesting things throughout the daily life in Russia. Oh, a- absolutely, and 
you, you know, this was this was a how I, I, I don't know how to describe this movie. I mean, it is a compilation. I mean, we're calling it a documentary, but there's no there's no chapters, there's no narration, there's no real presentation. Hard coded subtitles in English. Right. You it does subtitle all the Russian dialogue from the you hear the people talking in the car. Yeah. But this is a it's a compilation of footage. Someone else described it as a as a mixtape. Now, I've done some deep dives on YouTube because I knew about these Russian dash cam footage. I mean, I, right. I first heard about it when that meteor hit because that's how a lot of the footage of the meteor was hit because yeah. there's so many dash cams that captured it. Um, so this is just an assembly of that, uh, that footage presented in a cinematic effort. Right. Instead of just YouTube, clip after clip, this is all assembled together. And you and I watched an online screener that was sent to us from Oscilloscope. The right. distribution house that's putting this out, and we thank them very much. That was oh, yeah. very gracious to them, and uh, w hopefully, we'll have a good relationship with them, and can and can continue to get screeners from them. But I think this would have been a really fun movie to see with a crowd. I, I, I totally agree because it keeps you on the edge of your seat. There are scenes that everything starts before the incident. Whatever's going to happen in the video has not happened yet. So it builds up anticipation. You're watching someone drive on an icy Tension. road. Tension. You're waiting on what's going to happen. Are they going to crash? Are they going to go off the road? Is something going to hit them? So the scenes build up almost a level of anxiety in you. But you're watching everywhere. What's going to happen? Yeah. And it's not – sometimes nothing happens. Yeah. Sometimes the what's intriguing is the conversation in the car. There may be a little bit of a sliding or having to come to a quick stop or something, but – not every scene. If this if this would have just been an hour and I think it's short. It's only an hour and eight, hour and nine minute movie. If this would have been just an hour of crash scenes, it would have been a terrible movie. But this this shows some curation. This shows some effort was put into putting these things together to communicate a series of emotions, a series of feelings. There's some great comedy in this. Very funny moments. Uh, some very tense moments. There's some weird stuff that goes on that's strange, and you're thinking, oh, my gosh. I, I think this film is a unique look into Russian culture. Just their daily life. Their everyday life. I mean, I, I got to, you know, <laughs> I don't know if I should. Maybe I don't want to give us the explicit tag on this podcast, but I was quite chuckled and quite laughed about how the ex they love the F word in Russia, and they love to use it in conjunction with God and uh, the Holy Father and, and Mother Mary and <laughs> their thankfulness. I've never seen the amount of swearing and then a thanking to their deity, to their God, go on at the same time. It's just very, there's a lot of levity in that for me, I guess, personally. Um, yeah, it was it was a unique look into their way of life. These are just, these are not actors. These are just every day, you and me, driving to work, coming home from work, out on the town for a night kind of people in Russia. And there's some near misses, too. I mean, there's this is not a gory movie. There's You don't see any aftermath of an accident. There's no blood and gore. I mean, there's some horrific crashes in this and explosions and everything else, but you're not subject to, to gore. This isn't faces of death or anything else like that. No, not at all. But there's just incredible. There's a crash where a guy goes through the front of a truck and just lands on his feet and walks around like nothing happened. I can't believe the dude lived. I, I mean, you know, it literally, I had to pick my jaw up off the floor 
when that scene happened. And there, I, I don't want to. There's some other justice compelling moments, and I don't want to tell you about them because I, I want you to experience this film in all of its glory. There's some really, really neat stuff that happens in this film. And the movie's kind of fun in the way it gets weirder and weirder. Yes. It starts out with just kind of snowy roads and some near misses and some normal traffic stuff. But as the movie goes on, it builds. It it gets weirder. It for gets what's apocalyptic at times. There's a wildfire that you can <laughs> see in the trailer. Yeah, and I, I will say this. If you Google the road movie on YouTube, you can find the trailer. Watch the trailer. If you see the trailer and it looks interesting to you, I mean, that's the movie. Yep. Um, you should definitely check it out. It's your thing. And like I said, if it's in a theater near you, I know it's yeah. opening on us by us at the Gateway. If it's at a local art house theater by you, I would check it out. I think it's a fun movie with a crowd. Absolutely. That was one of the knocks I saw online was somebody said, do we really need this movie in the theaters? And I thought to myself, this is the exact place this movie needs to be is in the theaters. You want to see this with a large crowd of people to get the all of the reactions of what's going on, you know. Um, yeah, I, I really liked the road movie a lot. It's it was unique and different. I'm going to recommend it. Uh, it's going to go right. It's going to go right into my list for 2018 of good movies I've seen. No, I watched it by myself. Did you show any of your family? No, nothing. I watched okay. it. I sat at the computer in the basement, watched yeah. it by myself. Right. So. I did the same thing. So yeah, yeah. So. I mean, I laughed out loud at a few. Oh, I did too. Watching it. Uh, yes, Th- there was one scene of some in- two inebriated men. That caused me to laugh out loud at what happened with their car. They're kind of driving, then they're kind of boating. <laughs> yes, that's all we need to say. <laughs> yeah, and 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 uh, and and the two kids um, out on the town for some adventures was very funny. Looking for some companionship. Yes, that was hilarious. I la- I laugh and. I very rarely will laugh out loud when by myself, you know. But I was laughing out loud a couple of times, so I really enjoyed this and. Uh, yeah, the, the the company oscilloscope. Oscilloscope, yeah. Yeah, man, thanks for giving us the screen or letting us watch it, and uh, uh, we'll give you a shout out on the twitters and facebooks and all that good stuff. Now, this is not something I necessarily want to see all the time. I don't think we need cat videos in the movie. Like, I don't want to see trends from YouTube all go this route. And I, I mean, I don't think it will happen, but it could go the other way as well. Road movie works because it's something that's foreign to us as far as these dash cams, and it's well-assembled, and it's entertaining. But I don't necessarily think you can take any other YouTube subject matter and, and make an effective compilation movie. Right. I so, agree. And this is a rare thing, and it worked here. I don't think it'll work all the time. I don't need unboxing the movie. Yeah. But I, uh, I would recommend the road movie, and I actually can't wait for it to come out. I imagine it'll hit a streaming service, so a lot of people will see it pretty soon. But like I said, if it's near, in a theater near you, I, I'd recommend actually seeing it on the big screen. Yep. Take a couple of your friends and, and go check it out and have, have, a, have a fun night. All right. That's going to wrap it up for the road movie. When we come back, we'll have coming attractions. You're listening to the Film Coterie Podcast. All right, and we're back, and we're going to be looking at our coming attractions. What do we have to look forward to, Adam, on next week's episode of The Film Coterie? We will be checking out Phantom Thread. 
the newest movie from Paul Thomas Anderson. PTA, baby. PTA. I cannot wait to see the Phantom Thread. Farewell to Daniel Day-Lewis is, we for now, last movie. He's just eccentric enough that this actually might be his last film. It could. I could see him just walk, going out to the sunset and you know, becoming a cobbler. What else, man? Anything exciting? Phantom Thread is going to be the big one. The big one. But I missed it in Fantastic Fest. I'm very excited to see Mom and Dad, a new horror movie starring Nick Cage, being full Whoa. on Take It to Eleven. Nick Cage. Now, there we go. Is he back? We'll find out. Absolutely. And I, I think it'd be fun. What do you think, Adam, about doing maybe uh, having some movie recommendations that people might have missed from last year in 2017 that's now streaming or on Netflix or on video on demand? We'll do some recommendations to our audience as well. Yeah, that's a good idea because we're doing our top 10 lists with our one-year anniversary episode, which is coming up soon. Yeah, and these won't be our... These won't be movies on our top ten. These are just movies we really enjoyed yep. that you probably missed. Maybe they're a little more obscure in nature that are worth you hunting down and finding uh, in your video-on-demand uh, services. And so. speaking of top ten lists, we hope you're working on yours. Uh, we'll we'll put it up on Facebook and Twitter before the episode, but we want you to submit your list. We want to see what your top ten movies yes. of 2017 were. And here's what we're going to do. Uh, for everyone who submits their top ten we will at least mention your number one on the show. I think that's Yeah, we should track enough. the number number one, see if there's a clear consensus. Yep, and maybe if your number one is listed uh, somewhere on our top ten, when we get to that movie, we'll also mention, and so-and-so, but this is their number one, you know. And I did see someone had compiled a list of the major critical associations and critics' top ten lists, and Lady Bird and Get Out are the front runners for clear number ones. Wow. Yep. Well, those are two good movies. They're both good. <laughs> Will they be our number one? You'll have to find out. You'll have to find out. Well, I think that's going to wrap it up, Adam, for this week's episode of the Film Coterie. Um, if folks want to reach out to us via the social interwebs, how can they find us? Uh, the best place is always Facebook. We're on Facebook at Facebook backslash Film Coterie. Our handle on Twitter and Instagram is at Film Coterie. And you can always send us an old-fashioned email at filmcoterie at gmail.com. Awesome. Well, that's going to wrap it up for this week. We'll see you guys next time on another episode of the Film Coterie Podcast.